are listening to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements, brought to you by Jabba.io. I'm your host, Alistair Davis. So why am I doing a podcast on virtual engagements? Well, effective virtual engagements can increase your quality of life and significantly improve your income. This has happened to me, and I want to share all these virtual tips and tricks from experts around the world with you. Hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of How to Rock Virtual Engagements. We are talking to a lot of people around the world, and today we've got somebody all the way in Japan. We're talking to Alison. And Alison was broking Japan. Japanese equities for almost 12 years. And then during some gardening leave in 2010, she bought a round the world ticket, did a lot of things, went to Burning Man and discovered a lot of things that she still applies in her life today, like self-reliance, communal effort, and radical participation. I want to know more about that during the call. But after yeah. returning from this trip, she started a conference called Start Up the Party in 2013 in Tokyo with her husband. And the goal was to bring together Tokyo and San Francisco-based entrepreneurs from different industries together in a fun but challenging and working environment. And in 2016, Taj, Ryo, and her founded the Straylight Community, a creative community in Tokyo. And they're now 27 members strong. And this is where Tanari came out of. Welcome, Alison. Thank you, Alistair. It's nice to be here. You gave me quite a mouthful there. I hope I didn't miss anything in terms of your bio. <laughs> no, it sounds, um, yeah, it sounds like uh, you, got, you got everything there, yeah. We're just talking about that point of community. You seem to have a strong community backbone, social togetherness, getting people involved. Uh, Talk to me about your concept of radical participation. Is that your own term or is it something that you, you coined from somebody else? No, this is actually one of the 10 principles of um, Burning Man. Um, yep. The 10 principles of Burning Man are radical inclusion, gifting, um, decommodification, radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, uh, communal effort, civic responsibility, leaving no trace and um, no spectators or participation and immediacy. Yep. Um, and about radical participation, like it's basically like there, you can't be a spectator. Like you have to be someone who's like, we don't need people who are just like, obviously like if you are involved in like certain like roles, if you're an actor, for example, you need someone who's going to be a spectator. But I feel like if you're doing something, if you're creating something, you, you can't have people who are just there interested in watching. Like you need everyone to be participating. And I guess that's mm -hmm. what I mean by like, um, radical participation. Okay. Um, were you asking about participation or reliance? Sorry. No, participation. Mm, yeah. It's just, I think like, you know, it's the quote that I think of is like real change, um, you know, whether it's in the individual or in society can only occur through like deeply personal participation Mm. Things are done by people doing things and everyone's invited to work and everyone's invited to play. And that's like the ethos of Burning Man. And that really resonated very strongly with me. Yeah, I, I can't, it, I see a common denominator in that and what Tanari is. And I guess it's probably the time for you to introduce Tanari to our listeners because mm -hmm. they're going to what? To not, to who? So <laughs> what, what, what is Tanari? So Tanari is... It's a technology, it's a service. It is something that 
it's an installation that connects like basically like it's wall sized. So you can see the person they're right there and they're going to be real size, like they're, they're real person sized. They're seeing you eye to eye. And we put a lot of work in the software layer so that it's really imperceptible lag. So right now, for example, you're experiencing at least almost 200 milliseconds of, of lag when you're using WebRTC based Zoom or this sort of like communication medium. And yep. what that does is like the very natural pauses flow. that you have exactly it's really hard to get that flow in a conversation because someone taking a, bre- a breath versus asking for or creating like a little lag so that someone else can jump in it's really hard to see that when you have these like these longer lags it's much harder to have conversations with more than one person for example even though it's so natural and so easy to do so when you're like you know together in the same room so mm-hmm. what Tanari aims to do is actually make it so that it's, you know, as close to real life as possible while still being in two different locations. Yeah. Um, so that's like what the actual like product is. The actual idea is it comes from, you know, this generation, you know, I think we, we just have traveled a lot. We've, you yeah. know, done a lot of different, like where we were born and where we are currently living may not necessarily be in the same place where we went to school like yep. we have these like communities, we have like our families, we have our friends, we have our like coworkers, they're all supposed so spread out. It seems like now, you know, in this age of like very like global nomadic, so many like people being everywhere, it kind of makes you wonder like, why is the technology not as good as like it should be, I suppose, of like making it feel like you're in the same space with someone. So yeah. that's where like the like, concept of Tanari kind of like started to come, come through cities still become this like epicenter where people come for work and for education but in reality like cities are so overburdened you know you have like traffic and long commutes and like rent is really expensive and there's just no space like i was saying a little earlier in tokyo you know you're living in like tiny apartments you have this so many kind of like issues with the current like infrastructure if more of the kind of opportunity for that kind of like work or education can be really accessed from anywhere then where would we actually choose to live? Of course. Would it really be in a city? Like maybe we just yeah. need more options and the technology is not keeping up with those sort of like ability to offer those options to people. Yeah. And that's why I reached out to you because it really excited me because from my perspective, I'll tell you my, my history or my compressed history as to why I'm interested in virtual and virtual engagements. I live in South Africa. I live in Cape Town. I have a training business, consultancy and I have, a big custom, I have a couple of big customers. About a year ago, I started doing this virtually in, in a virtual live classroom for, for Ooh, SAP. Cool. And I teach one-to-many all around the world. So every week, I'm teaching people from all over the world from my studio in Cape Town. I'm not in my studio at the moment. But mm. what it gave for me, or what it really brought home for me was two things. Firstly, it increased my quality of life because I'm not in a plane four months of a year or three months of a year flying around mm. doing these engagements, doing these trainings, because mm. I'm essentially mm-hmm. a consultant and I've got a mm. four-year-old and I don't want to be in a plane for four months of the year. Secondly, it accessed global markets for me because now I can be anywhere because people mm-hmm. can listen to me and see me on a screen. And I thought, wow, this is cool. This is really amazing. What if this could be applied to a lot of people's lives where they could really increase the quality of their life and also make more money. It's like a double bubble, really. And I thought, wow, that's really cool. 
And so when I saw, when I was introduced to your website and what you did, I thought, wow, this is, this is revolutionary. And it could, in a lot of instances, really help companies, families, music engagements. What about that? Mm. I mean, the, the, mm. the, the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. So have you had any data? I know that you're at this stage from your writing and from your website, you've got mm-hmm. some qualitative data from your frontier mm-hmm. consulting pilot, but you're looking for quantitative data uh, yes. from number of interactions. But mm-hmm. is there any indication that the 60 frames per second, which is really, you know, showing you images at mm-hmm. a really good rate, mm-hmm. you know, can, does that increase the quality of the interaction? Because now you can see micro, you can see those micro variations on a person's body language, on their face, on their eyes, on their mouth, whatever. You know, d- does it feel like you can see more? That was, mm. a, long, that was a long question. I think, um, yeah, I think like the 60 frames per second is actually kind of like the, um, like the movie industry kind of like standard. But what it does is it's, it's extremely smooth. It's just really smooth, right? You don't have like the kind of like jerky, um, jerkiness that comes with, you know, kind of like just transferring data over the wire like we're doing right now. Um, It's just, it makes it so that it does feel much more immediate and much more real. And I think one of the feedback that we've been receiving from our first pilot is that, you know, when you're talking to someone over like Zoom or chatting with someone or, you know, through like Slack or any of these other mediums, you like forget that that person is actually a real person. You forget that that person has like a life and that they're occupying like this other part of like the world or other part of the city. And like, they have their own like emotions and like reality. And when you actually see more of that person and you can actually engage with them as a person, you become much more empathetic and understanding you, if I, it becomes harder to kind of like ignore that person's feelings and that makes the, re- the uh, interactions just that much more like rich and emotional. It seems like what we've seen with the first pilot is that managers especially feel like they can really understand how their, the people that they're working with, their teammates or like whoever is like, you know, working for them um, is actually reacting to like what they're saying, whether they really understand or not. Um, and then they can actually like substitute, like, you know, add more information or it becomes like much more like easy. The, the really interesting thing though about, um, about having the installation be life-sized is it's not just the person that comes in, it's more of their environment that you can also mm. see. So it provides just that much more context about what's going on. Like yeah. if, if, for example, like we were actually talking through Tanari, like Tanari right now, you would see my son kind of approaching from a distance or you could see like members of my family um, kind of like walking around behind me. You yeah. can kind of get more context about like how busy it is or like how, how focused I am in this conversation and things like that. And, you know, when you actually have it in like a work setting, for example, one of the things that we hear a lot from kind of potential partners is I never know if I can interrupt the person on the other side because I can't see them. Like what if they're really busy? I don't want to like call them, you know, out of the blue and like interrupt their like flow. But if you can actually see more of that, like context about what that person's doing, so you can kind of see other people around them. Are they looking very busy? Are they looking more relaxed? It makes it so much more easier to like interrupt them, ask for their time. And I guess it also is connected to like the other property of Tonari, which is, that it's, it's always on. Like, it's not like you dial in and you can just like, you know, 
it's not like something like this where it's like you like Zoom where you like dial in or like you schedule time ahead. It's just always on. So it really feels, it really is just like merging two spaces into one. It's like a, a portal into another world, like the Star Trek, you know, the sci-fi <laughs> things where you walk into this like mirror and you're on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's- Besides Tenari being a cool piece of software, that does mm-hmm. cool things. What business problems yeah. does, it, uh, does it solve? What business problems does it address? You know, our mission is to build this like frictionless communication platform, right? Like one that actually strengthens teams and communities, like strengthen, not just connect. We want to enable people to feel closer no matter where they are. We want to make this world where opportunities and like work and education can be accessed from, from anywhere. So, you know, besides making it easier for teams to like actually work and ideate and you know, like talk to each other and like get work done. Um, we also see potential for, for example, like in Japan, you actually see a lot of like smaller towns and villages that are going to be completely wiped out in the next 20 years because of population decline, but also yep. because everyone's having to move to cities. Yep. Um, there are still children living out there. And in reality, quality of life is probably a lot higher in those places. If we can actually put Tonari between schools, for example, these children can have classmates or become classmates with like other children in the same area. Perhaps we can connect Tanari with like, you know, children or classmates in other countries like Singapore or anywhere that's in a similar time zone. So you can actually provide like more international educations for like children, no matter where they are. People can do a lot more like remote work. We also think that by providing more of these like options or opportunities for people to be engaging with one another, we can also really limit the amount of airplane like travel that's happening, yeah. which is yeah. actually causing like huge environmental damage anyway. So, you know, we, we see a lot of like desire or need for people to be like, they want to connect more, but they're also wanting to do it in a way that's like not overburdening, you know, the planet and like, you know, mm. taking up all of these resources and causing massive amounts of pollution. So, you know, we see a lot of like merits and benefits that, you know, this sort of communication can offer. Like you can basically be in two places at once and you don't have to commute, you don't have to travel. Yeah. You can just be there together. Have you heard of Professor Albert Morabian and his research on communication? I actually, yeah, that, that does sound really familiar. Can you remind me again? What yeah, so he's an Iranian professor. He was, he still yeah, is, yeah, yeah, an yeah. Iranian professor. And he moved to the, the States in the 70s and he wrote... Uh, we did some research on human communication and it's about how our nonverbal stimuli influence our communication with each other, particularly attitudes and feelings. So the, the touchy feely trust, likability, are they deceptive? Are they devious? Those Mm -hmm. kinds of things are communicated through our body language, Mm -hmm. our tone of voice and the words we say. And he assigned a percentage of influence to each of those three. And he said that in terms of communicating attitudes and feelings, body language accounts for 55% of the mix. Right, that's right. Tone of voice, tonality, 38%. And the actual words we say, 7%. Mm -hmm. And and all three of those need to be congruent and synchronous with each other for effective Mm -hmm. communication to happen. Mm -hmm. So I I can't say to you, Alison, oh, I'm so excited to talk to you. Oh, oh boy, can't wait. Because you you'd know I would be lying because right. my words are saying I am, but my tone of voice is telling another. That's an extreme example. Right. 
that kind of is tied into like text and email based communication too, right? When yes. you have like no way of where it's only the words and you don't have access to the other two extremely important features of communication. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But my question is, mm. you've got the frames per second, which are high and the, the very little lag of 150 milliseconds, under 150 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. What about if you've got a group of people, what about the auditory sound mm. quality? Uh, how, how is that affected with Tenari? Mm. So right now, given like the, the installation is actually about the 160, sorry, centimeters across and then basically like floor to ceiling. So what you see is like kind of limited to that amount right now. Um, right. So basically what it does is it fits in about comfortably like two to three people max on each side. We are using, uh, we're now experimenting with like adding more microphones and also just using the software layer in order to take out as much of the kind of like background noise. So we're using the computer to basically like the software to basically learn and figure out how much of the noise to suppress and which sounds and noises we should actually be focusing on or like, you know, putting more kind of like volume and like taking over to the other side. So what we're doing is we're trying very hard to minimize the sounds of like rustling papers and someone vacuuming or like the train going yeah. by, amping up like the, the voices. Yeah. But what that also does is depending on like the positions of the microphones and depending on where the people who are speaking are, it might have a hard time deciding like, oh, if I'm far, if I'm further away, but if the mic can pick my voice up more, might choose to take my voice, like even though I'm not even talking to someone through Tanari but it'll take my voice and throw it to the other side because it recognizes that a human voice is happening and it needs mm. to be taken to the other side. So yeah. that's still something that we're kind of like working on to like make the software layer like smarter and like mm-hmm. understand more of like pose detection. Like is the person looking at and trying to converse with someone on the other side or are they not looking at and they're just having the conversation not within Tanari? So that's like something that we're still kind of like adjusting, but it is yeah. something that we're very much aware of and we're like still kind of experimenting and learning about and like working out. And how would ambient light and other things pollute mm. the image? So how do you, mm. how do you no, mitigate that? Question. The positioning of Tenari for now really, really matters. There is obviously a lot that we can do in the software layer where we can like actually pull out some colors and like brighten some places, but Right now, because we are ultimately using a projector and we're like putting it against like a screen, a darker setting is better. But what the darker setting does is it also means that the person who is being shown is also like darker as well. So it's like such a fine balance of trying to figure out the right amount of lighting. We also don't want to like, you know, have like studio lighting. So you're just like, you know, in this like area with like lots of blinding light in your face either, even though it would look amazing to the person on the other side it would be very uncomfortable. So that's just like the sound is something that we're working with like designers to and uh, designers to address. And the screen itself, I guess by the definition of always on, it means the screen is a physical permanent installation. Yes, that's right. right. The screen is a physical permanent installation. The projector is also like it's, we design it in such a way that it's very like has a very clean finish, but it is like an installation. It is part of, like a Tenari installation is that hardware setup. It's the software that goes into it, but it's also the way that we design the room. We work with architects and designers so that we create a space that's very easy for people to like pull up furniture or 
kind of like use the space depending on what their like use case is. So with Frontier Consulting, our first pilot partner, they would use it to hold seminars across Tokyo and Osaka. They would use it to throw like happy hour events. They would also schedule like one-on-one meetings through it. And depending on that use case, we've put loose furniture around so that people can kind of pull things up and then use it as needed. Could you take a one Tanari situation and then project to a Zoom or another platform? So I'm thinking of a keynote. Let's say a, a at the moment, Microsoft has said no more physical conferences until July 2021. So what's going to happen is... Wow. They, yeah, and, and all of them are going to follow suit. So now you've got these conferences, uh, Salesforce, Dreamforce. They've got speakers, lots of speakers, internal, external. Now these people have to speak to audiences and everybody's sitting on their laptop or they're in a room where, where people are aggregated or congregated. Could you have let's say, me talking into a Tanari, but projecting my image onto a Zoom platform or another platform? Um, I think those sort of integrations are something that we are um, seeing a very strong need for. Like with Frontier, they do have multiple offices everywhere. Right now, we've just connected their Tokyo and Osaka spaces, but they've indicated um, like demand and interest in basically being able to use different screens. So you have like the main Tenari portal or you have main Tenari like installation, but then you also have multiple screens so that people who are dialing in from their Nagoya office or from yes. um, their Fukuoka office or these other places can also be kind of present, but ne- not necessarily with like an entire installation. We do think that integration is something that's coming. Um, which platform we'll use is, is something that's like to be determined, but that right. is something that we're working on as well. Okay. That's interesting. A question, the always on, is that not invasive? Does, does people not feel like, ooh, there's that screen? Well, how, how did Frontier Consulting interact with that installation? Did they say, mm. okay, it's circle time, guys. We're all going to go to Tenari now and talk about project X or Y. Or is it a case of, oh, I see Alison walking past. Alison, can, can I have a word quickly? Is, how, how did it happen? Yeah, there are actually like both cases actually happen. So I think like the first, I want to say three to four weeks, there was like a adjusting period where people were very concerned about, okay, like where's the camera angle? Like at what, at what angle like am I seen or what do I look like on the other side? So there was like a period of people kind of getting used to it. People who already have a lot of interactions with the other office had like no problem at all because they already knew people on the other side. Yes. They'd be like, yes. oh, look, you know, there's Inera-san or there's like Sato-san or whatever. And they would just be like constantly seeing each other and waving at each other, really serendipitously just being like, oh, I just needed you to actually have that conversation. You know, that email sort of thing. So both things were happening. I think it really depends on how many interactions or how many people people already knew on the other, like knew in the other office. Um, Their personality also played a little bit of it too. Like some people were just a bit more shy and a little bit more anxious than others. In both cases, like in order to kind of get people used to having Tenari around and the always on kind of explaining it, like we really needed the help of our facilitators who, you know, are like the special volunteers that we asked within the organization to like really get people to start using and get used to having Tenari around. Like we can't be in Frontier Consulting's offices 24-7. So, you know, we needed someone internal who could be kind of like our eyes and ears on the ground and who can actually help with like someone who, you know, is within the organization and who's trustworthy 
or who has that like kind of like level of like experience or tenure within that organization to really help get people used to having it around. Okay. I think that professionals nowadays are almost 30% actors because we have to now interact with the screen, this camera, the sound, mm. this, you know, there are things that are a bit artificial and some people find it easy to interact with a little gray dot or a little red dot or, a, or wearing a headset or having this light above them. I mean, others are like, no, I prefer writing an email or writing a long form mm -hmm. piece. So I guess our kids, our respective four-year-olds mm -hmm. will, will grow up knowing that they have to talk, talk into the green dot on the, the MacBook. Yes. That's where <laughs> they must so look true. into. Yes. Unless, unless the technology gets a lot better. And that's, yeah, sure. I think, one of our scenarios is to design things that are much more intuitive and easy and accessible by more people. Because, I mean, getting my mom or my grandma to like, start using Zoom, um, there's a really high hurdle. And there are so many ways that it can go wrong. And I think one of the best moments that I've experienced like working on this product is when my, at the time, three-year-old son walked up to the to Tanari and saw um, you know co-founder and our really our best friend Taj on the other side of it and he just went Taj hi and it was just such a normal interaction and it didn't require any sort of learning it was just so normal and natural and I that made me really feel like we're really onto something yeah you're on the right track and and talk to me about the future what what is the in in the short term short medium term what are the things what are some of the things that you're looking to incorporate or bring into Tanari to make it better. I think one of the more kind of immediate or interesting things is like um, we have the Tenari, we have Tenari, the installation, and we have that being just showing the person and the things on the other side because we really wanted to separate out things like, you know, if you're sharing a presentation or if you're taking notes together, we didn't want to put those things onto the same screen. We just wanted to make sure that you, ha you saw the person and we have a separate thing called a share screen where people can share presentations or uh, like, take notes or look at like plans and drawings together. But we see a lot of potential for that share screen to be a lot of other things. Um, yeah. You know, we could have that be specifically for people who are like prototyping something, or perhaps it's really good for teachers because they can actually like show children, like, you know, if they're making something, if they're building something, you can actually like zoom in and show what you're like creating. It might be really good for chefs. It could be, you know, just like a, a different way to really like share and show what you're working on, even without mm. being in the same space together. So I see a lot of potential there. I also, you know, I think as a team, we're also wondering how we can create a version of the product that could also be um, really useful for people like in this current moment, where, you know, there's a lot of frustration with the existing kind of communication tools and like, what are things that Tanari can like, you know, use with the current software that we've like developed where we can be useful in a much more like immediate sense. That's something that we're still trying to like figure out, but that's also another thing that's very exciting for the engineers and for us. So in terms of the physical components of the system, you've got a screen, you've mm -hmm. obviously got some microphones and you've got, mm -hmm. I guess, LCD projectors or, or yeah. a projector. Yeah, projectors. Yeah, LCD projector. Uh, um, we have, yeah, speakers. We also have like a very, very powerful computer and, you know, we have those on. So the one installation is like on two sides. 
So you have that like mirrored on both sides. And then we also have our share screen. So we have those different like hardware components that all kind of like come together as well as like the furniture, the loose furniture really like adds to it too, so that you can actually have two spaces really feel like one. Like if you have one very like Japanese plate, like Japanese or very like, you know, Asian looking place with like everyone sitting on the floor. And then you like combine that with like a space where everyone's like sitting on like desks and chairs, then it won't necessarily feel as merged together or like not not necessarily like one room. So that's also part of the kind of like Tanari installation or setup is we actually do work with like the architects and designers to like make that space feel like one space, cohesive space. Right. And in terms of the feng shui, is is there are there any sort of be- best practices for allowing that to happen mm. that you found? Yeah, I think like keeping the space more um, open and minimally designed, um, and having you know quite a lot of different types of loose furniture. Some people want to just sit right next to like Tanari and have a conversation. Yeah. Okay. And. What about augmented reality, virtual reality? Is that, are those things that you've kind of, kind of thought about? Is it in the roadmap somewhere? Hmm. We have like, received some suggestions about if we're going to go into like, the education space, for example. You know, one of the things is you know, how like, augmented, like putting like, hats and like, funny cartoony characters and things like that might be like, a really fun interactive way for, pe- for kids to interact with one another. Another is like, if people don't know each other that well between... Uh, communities or offices just being able to have the name show up or you know above them so that you know who to call out to when you like need help or you want to talk to that person Um, or if you can't really recognize them because they're too far away just being able to see who's present um, in that space like those are kind of areas that we see more immediate needs for like just like the like ability to see and understand like presence but also like availability so I mm-hmm. think like using AR, VR um, as a way to kind of like augment what we're seeing could be like really useful in the office setting. Yeah, I think those are like the kind of areas that we are immediately seeing for, for potentially adding more of those overlays. But in general, we want to make sure that the screen, the main Tanari installation, what it's showing is the, is the person or the people on the other side and their immediate surroundings. And we don't want to like add too much overlay on that. Mm-hmm. One interesting idea that I've heard before was if you're separating two different places and they have different weather, for example, it'll be nice to be able to show like what the weather is because it's like an immediate conversation starter. Like, <laughs> oh, right now in, you know, in Ireland, it looks like it's, oh, I guess it's raining over here. It's sunny, huh? And like, it just becomes like a, like just a, like a casual way to be able to start conversations with someone on the, on the other side if you don't know them that well. Yeah. I guess also, I think that's come up in these conversations with, with various people is the idea of resolving conflict in a virtual setting. So mm. when you're on a Zoom call or a whatever call, doesn't matter, and you've got a number of people and there is a point of debate or a point of conflict, in a physical setting, when you're all sit around a table, when you're all sat around the table, colleagues tend to stick up for other colleagues and there's a natural kind of, well, I'm going to interject here. I'm going to take this question. I'm going to give you the answer you need. But in a virtual setting, that doesn't happen. You know, people kind of, Mm. they kind of, they don't get involved. They don't get that radical uh, participation, like you said. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I think Tanari would be 
quite good in that setting where if you're having a problem or you know you need to discuss a difficult concept you can see people's body language and people would more naturally interject or stand up and say actually I'll take this question um, you know let me let me handle this yeah i think that that does tend to happen like from what i've seen through like onsite observations and also just you know, speaking to our facilitators or just getting like feedback, all qualitative feedback, obviously, but from, from users, we hear a lot about how easy it is to feel more, emo- like not emotionally attached, but just it's, it's possible to see that person and like actually, you know, see what they're like, kind of really understand what they're seeing and feeling and thinking. And so it becomes much easier to have these like natural empathetic conversations. So mm. I think I can see like, conflict resolution being one way to do it. I was yeah, I think that would be really interesting if, if someday we, we see like the United Nations or somewhere like G, G7 or G8 group kind of like using Tunari so that they minimize their like travel or their like exposure to one another in fear of like the virus, but they still feel like they're together because they're connected through something like Tunari. Yeah, definitely. Have you used Tunari for exercise? I see you like uh, high intensity interval training like me. <laughs> Uh, yes. You can't do a long walk. I guess you could do a long walk on Tanari if you got on your treadmill and then started walking. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, we um, that was like a funny, uh, a funny little thing. But we we um, we do seven minute workout every morning as a team. And um, you know, one of the things that we can use the share screen for is we can basically play the same video on it and hear yeah. the same audio. And so you can, you know, theoretically, you can do like the same workout together, which we have done in the past many times. <laughs> For people listening to this podcast and they go, wow, this Tonari thing sounds really cool. They go to your website, they, they read and they, go, they read the article on Medium about uh, Frontier mm-hmm. Consulting. Who is the ideal client? First question for you. Who's the ideal client? And secondly, if they wanted to do a trial with you or work with you, is that possible? Or is that something that you, you're doing uh, at a later date? I think the client would or the customer the early adopter whatever you want to call them like they would need to have a very strong motivating like factor they would need to have like a goal for why they want to install tenari not just because it'll be cool like it needs to be something like we really have this problem we really have this communication problem we have two teams or we have you know two groups of people that are split between two locations and we're really suffering we have this very severe pain we're traveling all the time or right now we can't travel because of like COVID, you know, we, but they need to have a very strong pain, right. something that we can solve by having Tonari, like where, you know, the communication will become smoother. You know, they, they need to basically have like a strong pain that we can address. So I think okay. that's always going to be like the ideal like customer is someone who is suffering a lot and they see the current tools are not working well enough for them and it's causing massive problems. Um, a- in terms of, yeah, sorry, good. What are the typical sufferings? You go, ah, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely we can, we can help there. If people have to, like, teams that are in two separate places and they are not, they're not able to communicate as well, they're not as like, close to or they don't see each other as uh, teammates or coworkers necessarily and they don't mm. have like, a strong feeling of us, I guess, as an organization. Okay. I think that having Tenari can really help okay. with that. It's not just like the installation of Tenari. It's also like the mindset of the organization where they want to create one team, like one organization. They want to become a flatter organization with the right mindset. I think it can really 
help in like making that happen. Like I think it can really help uh, encourage better communication to happen. I think it can really encourage uh, teams to become more flat. And I think that when teams become more flat, they just become more efficient because there's less communication overhead happening. Uh, sorry, I, I added a third sneaky question in, in there in the middle. <laughs> the, 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 the original second, now the third question is yeah. how, if people wanted to work with you, what, what's the process? Can they, where do they go? Who do they talk to? So right now we are doing pilot programs. And what that means is we are doing like a six month. It's like a period where we're doing, we're still conducting research and we're still trying to understand our users' needs and how we can address those users' needs. So far, we've done one pilot. Um, we're going to do many more. And we're hoping to do one in the community, the community space and also in the education space and also doing more in like the workspace. We are uh, a small team and we're limiting ourselves to conducting pilots with organizations that are based in Japan. But I think right. very soon um, we'd like to do that with organizations um, who are, have one office or one location in Japan and another in somewhere like Singapore or somewhere in like the Asian region. Yep. Um, it's basically somewhere with similar time zones. And then we'll slowly start to kind of expand from there. But if, right now, um, we're still kind of focused on Japan and, and Asia. Okay. So if a Japanese or Asian company wanted to work with you, they would mm -hmm. reach out to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, um, so there's, more, there's information on our website, but um, we will be providing more information about another pilot program and also about uh, an early adopter program pretty soon, I believe. And the, the so costs details involved, to come. details mm. to come, and the co would include costs. Yes, details to come, and that would include costs. Okay. And your website is tonari.no. Yes, that's right. That's T-O-N-A-R-I dot N-O. Any closing words, uh, Alison? I think it's, it's been really fun talking to you today, so thank you very much. Um, thank I'm you. really excited to continue to meet with people who are interested in our, in our vision and our mission. And I'd love to hear more like stories about people who want to connect. You know, so far we've kind of like talked about organizations or like, you know, companies that are like split between locations. But um, I think right now there are so many more stories out there about people who can't see each other because of like this pandemic and yeah. how hard it is. But it's like the kind of like hope of what's going to happen when it's all over and we can actually kind of like meet together. Like I want to, I would love to hear and understand more stories and struggles that people are facing right now. And I think it would really help us think of ways that we yeah. can continue to like build Tanari for like many more like users. So yeah. That's something that I'm really looking forward to hearing and like seeing more of. Okay. And well, also, we are, we're very active on Twitter. So if people want to come, come down and like tweet us, tweet us we'd, be, uh, we'd be delighted to respond to you. Perfect. Thanks very much, Alison, for your, uh, your great chat and for telling us Thank all you. about Tanari and your good energy, your community. Go get her. Let's, we're in this together. Don't worry. We got this spirit. <laughs> good vibes only. Good vibes only, yes. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Alison. All right. Cheers. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, please listen on any one of your favorite podcasting channels like iTunes, Spotify, or Anchor.fm. If you would like to be interviewed or need more information, please email me at alistair at jabber.io. That's A-L-I-S-T-A-I-R at J-A-B-B-A dot I-O. Cheers. Mm -hmm.